Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Glad we're together. Can't wait. Been looking forward to this all day. You know, when I look at the books of the prophets, they're really a collection of God's words being spoken through the prophets. But the book of Jonah is about the prophet himself, who turns out is kind of a mean and nasty prophet. But he's a prophet who sort of continually disobeyed God's call on his life. So when I read Jonah, it gives me a chance to do a little bit of a spiritual diagnostic on myself. How am I at really forgiving and loving my enemies? Do I run away from God when I'm staring at difficult decisions? And by discovering that, you know, I kind of fit into Jonah's story from time to time, and I need to learn to trust God. And I also learned that there is no one is too far for God to reach when it comes to the salvation. That is the topic of today's uh, discussion with Beverly Canera. She's a uh, my guest, and she has taught Bible study fellowship for 30 years and now is continuing her love for the Word, sharing and teaching and mentoring. And I'm awfully glad to have her on the program. Bev, welcome. To be here. It's going to be fun to look at Jonah. I, I can't wait because, A, I love, I love the book of Jonah. And I, there's, there's only 48 verses in Jonah, oh. 17 in chapter 1. 10 in chapter 2, 10 in chapter 3, 11 in chapter 4. You it, can go through this yeah. in one sitting. Yes, yeah, several times. Or if you're like me, three sittings. Because mm-hmm. it usually takes me longer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you did the math. I did the math, yeah. I, I'm which is, really impressed by that. Which you so. don't ever get on the show very often is math. No. no. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I'm glad about that. <laughs> but let's, let's look at it as four chapters, 48 verses. Let's, let's dig in. All right. All right. Well, what's your ch- first childhood memory, Bill? Do you have one about Jonah? Well, Jonah's sitting in a rowboat inside the fish, you know. Oh, in a rowboat. Oh, yeah, he's in a rowboat. He's... So you must have had one of those illustrative <laughs> children's Bibles. Well, that's what I saw. Like, okay, he's not with, you know, he's in a little rowboat, which yeah. is, you know, kind of looks like, yeah. that's kind of interesting. My first one was Jonah just kind of sitting with his head down and his hand on his head like this, just sitting down inside the the stomach of a whale. So it looked pretty peaceful and pretty okay, you know, in the illustrations. But I think we're going to find out that it wouldn't have been grand at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he certainly wasn't in a boat. Um, so some of our illustrators do take some... Um, some liberties. Some liberties there, yeah. especially when they're dealing with children. Let's not terrify the children. <laughs> Uh, You know, it really is a favorite for the young people, but very often this same book of Jonah in the Bible can be used to debunk the reliability or the truthfulness of Scripture. So let's go there first, because that could be first thing in their minds like, oh, yeah, Jonah, right. Um, So let's talk about Jonah the person. Was he a real person? And did he really get swallowed by a great fish and survive for three days? Okay, well... In the Old Testament, there is two books, First and Second Kings, that record the well-documented uh, history of Israel's kings and leaders. Mm-hmm. And in Second Kings fourteen twenty-five, it describes Jonah. So the book of Jonah is not the only place where he is mentioned, right. and he's mentioned according to his father's name here. 
son of Amittai, um, and that he was a prophet of the Lord and spoken to the king at this point. So there's some historical document of him mm-hmm. being a real person. And then Jesus, of course, what he says, we take as truth. And Jesus refers to Jonah in the New Testament in Matthew sixteen four. He's rebuking the um, scribes and Pharisees, and he said, A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. The three days in the tomb of the great fish and then the release of Jonah is a picture of Christ. And we're going to talk more about how Jonah pictures Christ as we move along through these very short little chapters. I mean, Bev, I questioned Jonah's character in Second Kings because I think he was talking to Jeroboam too, and was saying something that uh, that Amos completely reversed later. Hmm, interesting. So I was kind of questioning his character even back then in yeah. Second Kings. Yeah, but it does prove that he was a real prophet and oh, yes. a prophet of the Lord. Indeed. So. Uh, you know, I'm sure some of them were not right on. And we do know what happened when they weren't. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and, of course, we need to talk about that whole fish incident. Um, can a person be swallowed by a fish and survive? Most people call the fish a whale, but the Bible only says a huge fish so mm-hmm. or a great fish. And so we don't know what large fish it was. Um, but there are actual accounts of people experiencing this and surviving it. Uh, I googled it. There's quite a few there for you to take a look at if you're interested. Um, this is miraculous, no doubt about it, uh, that he could have survived this long within sight of a, a a creature like this. But the Bible is filled with miracles. This is not the biggest miracle. I agree. Um, the supreme miracle is Jesus rising from the dead, and that is enough to tell me all things are possible with God. Amen. So, this ancient book of Jonah has a lot to say to us, even today. The most important thing we get from any book of the Bible or any scripture is the truth that we learn about God and the way that he deals with people, and especially the runaways, especially the rebellious, especially the slow learners. I really kind of pictured Jonah a slow learner, and I thought, you know, Lord, I can be a really slow learner often. So I think we'll all relate to him, just like you were saying, Bill, at some point. So let's set the stage here um, in the first few verses here of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So there's the setting. Um, God commanded uh, Jonah to go to Nineveh. What was Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and Assyrians were known for their extreme cruelty, and they were definitely an enemy of Israel. Mm. There was no love between them, no. and, and especially for Jonah. Somehow Jonah had a greater uh, hatred and prejudice than than most. Jonah's decision was not to go. He, actually, what he was doing here, not only running, but he was resigning. Um, you know, and sometimes we can really hesitate to want to go and warn anybody as well. And yet the Bible is filled with warnings for our own good. And sometimes we can, if we don't warn, we're going to watch them, you know, walk off that cliff. Mm-hmm. I know when I was raising children, I had that in the back of my mind. When do I speak up? When do I warn? And I'm going to warn if I see them heading for trouble. 
So, um, there, you know, Jonah was hesitant to do that for many reasons, um, and we'll get to some more of those in the in the next few verses here. He didn't want to go and, and threaten them with judgment. He even says why in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So Jonah suspected that God might actually do a mighty work there and there would be repentance mm-hmm. and a turning to the Lord. Jonah hated God for loving his enemies. <clears throat> he did. Yeah. He did. This whole book is upside down, Bev. I love it. Isn't it? It's fascinating. (laughs) It is. It's fascinating. And the more you study it, the more truths you can just take right from it. Well, Jonah's heading in the opposite direction from Nineveh, by the way. Where he's headed, he's just, you know, direct opposite, as far away as he could get. He's probably hoping God's going to find somebody else. All the circumstances seem to fall into place for Jonah. Why, he found a ship that could take him. He had the money for the passage. He he went off thinking, no big deal. You know, somebody else will do it if mm-hmm. I don't, right? Sound familiar. You know, we too can really know the right thing to do, the thing God is asking us to do, to change, or we can run away from God. We can close him out so we don't want to have to address the issue. We can be resistant to work on our marriage and flee instead. We can ignore those proddings from within, from the Holy Spirit that wants to address part of our character. We can change churches, but let me tell you, the Lord will follow you there, Mm -hmm. and so will your, your, your sin. We can stop reading and studying the Bible, but God can speak to us in many ways. God does speak to Jonah through a storm and a big time out inside a great fish. Jonah thought running away would solve the issue. But we should know, and Jonah knew this. He should have known this anyway. I'm I'm referring to Psalm 139, where it reads, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. So we cannot ever get away from God's presence. It's amazing that Jonah thought this could work. And here's the truth. There's no hiding from God. We can run, we can run from other people, circumstances, but there's no running and hiding from God. God has been called the hound of heaven. I love that. And he's relentless in his love and his mercy. He is also not pleased when we hurt ourselves through sin and disobedience. And that's when he's going to pursue us. He's going to pursue the runaway. He's going to pursue the slow learners, the rebellious. Well, Jonah's on the boat and he's sleeping and a terrific storm comes up. And it says that the Lord sent that great storm. See, Jonah thought he could quit speaking for the Lord, turning his witness for the Lord off as he so chose. Mm -hmm. But the consequences of Jonah's sins brought these sailors to a feeling of helplessness, and they were fearing for their lives because of this storm. This was a ship full of pagan soldiers, too. Absolutely. They were praying to their gods, plural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Little g, all over the place. So our disobedience always puts others in harm's way, too. We always think, well, it's just me. It's not. It's never just, we never sin in isolation. Jonah was sleeping, interestingly enough. The, the situation was death, death fret, threatening, and here was Jonah asleep, and he wasn't praying while the, the, the um, sailors above the, in the ship, they were praying to their gods. And, you know, that's a warning sign. 
um, that we might be trying to avoid God when we stop praying. Mm-hmm. And are God's people sleeping and not praying? Could that be part of our storm Ooh, today? That might be a good place to take a pause here, Bev. Um, we're talking about the book of Jonah today. Fascinating story. And you're going to continue uh, to love this as we continue to go through the book. There's only four chapters, and we're going to go through it today. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back. talking about the book of Jonah today. And I want to say, uh, if you've not taken a moment or two to fill out our survey for the afternoon show with me, I would love for you to do so. All you have to do is text the word survey to 877-933-2484. I think it takes three or four minutes to fill out. And then you get in the drawing for an Amazon gift card. So we would just love to get feedback from you. I think we have a list of 20 or so regular guests. I want to say Beverly Canaris is on that list. So... You can uh, let us know what you like about the afternoon show or what we could work on, how I could improve. I'm always open to your feedback. As a matter of fact, I would love to hear it because I'm here to serve you, here to serve the Lord, but also here to serve you as our listeners. And uh, it's because of you that we are on the air. So um, let me know what I can do to improve. I'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. Just text the word survey. You can fill it out and then be on the list to maybe win that Amazon gift card. All right, Bev, we're back with uh, Jonah. We are. We last left off where? He was in a boat. That's true. Headed the opposite direction from what God had called him to do. And he has to be woken up. He's sleeping instead of praying. And they discover Jonah is the cause of the great storm. He tells them why. And then he says to them, throw me overboard and the storm will finish. Uh, Jonah would rather die than even speak this words of judgment to his enemies. Jonah knew the storm was a consequence of dis- his disobedience. God's punishment, however, is meant to bring us back to him. It's, it's, he wants to restore us in our relationship with him. God gives us restorative discipline to his people. I love that, that term because it really describes what the role of discipline is. It's to restore. It's to bring back. It's to improve. Well, Bev, doesn't yeah. Jonah seem a little stupid when he's talking to the other sailors? I mean, they're going, okay, who are you? And he says, well, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God who created the land and the sea. And I'm thinking, you can run from him? Really? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you thinking, pal? Yeah, no, I don't think he was. That's why I, I started off talking about slow learners. I, I think... Sometimes we can think we know these truths, and yet our actions show that we really don't know them uh, in, in our heart of hearts. Well, Jonah, he, he's going to have a sure death by being tossed overboard, and it's really a picture of Christ in a way, who was obedient to the Father's will in death, obedient so that others might be saved. So the, as the sailors were saved, uh, we are saved through the death of Christ. Well, Jonah tried to go a wall on God, but God's love and mercy will follow Jonah down in order to restore and to teach his wayward prophet a lesson in mercy. Jonah was not going to be the one who decide 
decides who gets God's mercy. He was going to try to decide that. Well, Jonah is thrown overboard at his request. Can you imagine? That's pretty desperate. And the sailors beg God not to hold them accountable for his death. Jonah goes down into the deep. Can you imagine this? Being thrown again and again by all the waves. Then all of a sudden, the storm has stopped. The Bible says, At this time, the men greatly feared the Lord. These are the sailors. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Okay, that's, there's so much there to chew on. There's so much. I mean, first of all, he'll go to what length to get out of doing what God wants him to do? It's pretty severe. <laughs> like, yeah, end my life? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, rather than come on this program today, I'm going to go out and stand in the freeway. Is that okay? Don't do that, Beth. Okay. No, no, that would be very that's disturbing That's kind of the me. equivalent, though. That's be. how extreme it is. Yeah, I'll do anything to not yeah. do what God wants me to do, even yeah. at the point where I'll just end my life. Right. Mm-hmm. But now listen, there's a principle here we want to pay attention to. Jonah's disobedience and the discipline of the storm was a witness to the one true God to the sailors. God can witness through us in our obedience or even our disobedience. How about that? Mm. Jonah's disobedience and the discipline of the storm was a witness to the one true God to these sailors. So the truth is, from this little section here, we never sin in isolation. Look how it affected um, these sailors negatively and also positively. Uh, You know, children can be hurt by their parents' disobedience to God their sin. A church suffers from the sins of their leaders, right? So true. Society suffers when the church fails to function as the church. So I think it's good if we just pause here and ask ourselves, are we running? Are we the rebellious one? Are we so slow in learning that obedience brings blessing? So who might we also be hurting in our disobedience? Well, in mercy, God provides a great fish to swallow Jonah alive. Here comes the good part you've been waiting for. (laughs) Jonah remains in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. God will do whatever it takes to bring us back to him. So in the fish, can you imagine what this must have been like? I want to know how you distinguish between night and day when you're inside a fish. Well, very interesting. Here, here's I mean, how I see it. 24 hours of blackness. So. Yeah, I, that's what, that was a big thing to me, too. Mm-hmm. I, utter darkness. It would have been very hot, like 104 to 108 degrees. That's not hot. That, that's, that's pretty hot for me. Um, he's probably anticipating the humidity a slow, that would be killing me. Oh, how about the, how about the, uh, and the slow stink. and painful death that he's being slowly digested? How about oh. all the other things that the that the fish had been eating that are swimming around him? Not swimming, but swarming, kind of bleh, all there. How about his skin? The seaweed he's wrapped in. Yeah. Talked yeah. about his the seaweed he had yeah, around right. him. Um, his skin must have really suffered. Can you imagine that digestive acid on his skin? Um, just, you know, if you're in the tub too long, what happens to your skin, right? His skin would have become discolored, and then there would have been the movements of the fish. Oh. Oh, you know, yeah. he couldn't predict. He was not in control, and he yeah. was in the dark. Be carsy, be carsick. He would be, uh, yeah, fish sick. Yes, without, yes. Yes, yeah. I remember going on a terrifying ride at Disney World called Space Mountain. You been there, Bill? Nope, I have not. Oh, okay. I mean, don't. I've been to Disneyland, but yeah. never Space Mountain. Okay, I don't recommend it. Okay. It's a roller coaster ride that really jerks you all around and dips you up and jerks you around corners and makes you fall. 
but you're in the dark. Oh, no, thank you. No. I I got out of that ride. I couldn't even hardly pry my hands off of the handlebar I was holding on to. They were, like, stuck. But I can't imagine what this would have been like for Jonah. Jonah, you know what this is? Jonah's getting a taste of hell. Hmm. The isolation, the constant torment that hell is described as having. Scriptures tells us that Jesus descended into hell after his death as part of his saving work on our behalf. So think of what he endured when he went there as well. So God's redemptive discipline, as we're calling this, has its intended effects as Jonah prays and finally repents before the Lord. And Jonah finds the mercy of God in his misery. He repents of his sin. He finds hope. And even before his terrible circumstances are listed, he did not know he was going to be rescued. So it's always more important to be right with God above having right circumstances, always. So Jonah in the belly of the fish, he, he starts praying. I think we all would. Yeah, although he's not repentant. He just cries out to God. I don't see him repenting. No, you don't. I, I do see repentance here. Okay. Um, Let's just point out a few things about his prayer. First of all, it's very honest. He, he says here, uh, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surround me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. There's that. Quote, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. So he really realizes that he has been spared by the Lord. He acknowledged he deserved discipline and that God was behind it all, uh, not circumstances. So if, if we've been running from God, we need to come to him in prayer and be honest with him as mm-hmm. well. That's where it starts, yeah. just that honest one-on-one time with the Lord. Uh, I see Joseph as being repentant. In, um, there's a, another translation in verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice for you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And then above that, it says, those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. Another version of this says they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So anytime we have idols in our lives, we're forfeiting the grace that could have been theirs. Um, Then he talks about sacrifice and returning to the temple. And, of course, this was the method that people in the Old Testament went through in order to, to have some degree of cleansing. It was a temporary cleansing until Christ came. So he talks about going to the temple and offering a sacrifice. And I have to ask myself, what do you think, Bill? Was this a foxhole confession? Mm, I think we have to pick that up after the break. That'll give me 90 seconds to think about it, too. Okay. Which I'll probably need. <laughs> Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about the book of Jonah today. Four chapters, 48 verses. Highly recommend it. We'll uh, be back in just a minute.
Welcome back to the show. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about the book of Jonah. I'm loving this. All right. So we finished with the question, Bill. The important question, was this a foxhole confession? Well, yeah. Um, it's certainly uh, much, m- much like a foxhole confession because yeah. you're in the belly of a fish. Right. And, and we do see as the book ends, he's still his normal awful self. Nasty self, right, yes. Right, yes. So, um, however, Jonah does pray this prayer, and he did not know at this point if he was going to be delivered, I don't think. So, to me, there is something redeeming there about about Jonah as he prayed, not realizing that. Uh, Jonah mentions idols, and that they were worthless, and you know what I think Jonah's idol was? His own self-will. That seems to be what Jonah really uh, cared most about. Jonah even showed a little bit of thankfulness in the belly. In verse 9, uh, he, he, he mentioned thankfulness where he says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, and sacri- will sacrifice to you. Wow. Um, Jonah was thankful for the grace of God, thankful to have God turn him around, and now calls on the name of the Lord. He claims salvation here from the Lord. But then Jonah speaks about sacrifices and vows. Jonah sees that God had been showing him grace all along. And it's when a person acknowledges their sin and confesses it to God and seeks forgiveness through sacrifice, and today it's our sacrifice of Christ, God can restore that relationship. What is repentance? You know, that maybe there's some debate here if this is true repentance or not. But let me just tell you what it is. Repentance is acknowledging that we bring nothing to salvation and that God through Christ has done it all. Salvation is only possible by God. Jonah speaks of vows. He's, he maybe is making a, some kind of a commitment here to follow the Lord. But today in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So Jonah's um, making his, his commitment to God here. We, we can see that it's, it's a little surfacy as we go on in this story. Chapter 2 ends, And the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up on dry land. Jonah is rescued. But he's not rescued from obeying the mm-hmm. Lord. The I love Lord that is verse. still gonna. You like the vomit? Well, I mean, can you imagine a big a big fish kind of beaching itself and then vomiting, and in that vomit is you? You know, fish <laughs> is, that, is that a good day of, or a bad day? That, I don't even. know. Yeah, no, it would be a, one of mixed feelings. Um, I, yeah, right. Yeah, but the smell alone and the slime, I would not be a fan of. I'm okay. sure if anybody witnessed that, they would be gagging. That's oh yeah, all, that's all I gotta say. Yeah, chapter three uh, talks about. God relenting. Uh, So God, in grace, gives Jonah a second chance to obey him. God is like this to his children, not just second chances, but 300th chances. Would any of us have a chance to serve God if he wasn't like this? I wouldn't want to if I thought one mistake and I'm out. Notice, too, that Jonah is given the same command by God as at first. You're to go to Nineveh and to preach this warning. This runaway is still called to obey what God had told him in the first place. It's kind of like the kid who throws a tantrum, you know. And if you let that child's tantrum uh, get what the child wants, that's trouble. But God here holds him accountable. God is a good father, and he holds him accountable that you've had your tantrum, but now you will still obey. Verse 3, Jonah does obey. And I, you can hardly believe what you're reading. A huge outpouring of God's power followed Jonah's obedience. 
because God gives us his power to accomplish his will, whatever that might be, he gives us power to obey if we will but trust him. Well, Nineveh is described as a great city, a very large city, three days to cross it. But on the first day, so three days would have been 60 miles. Don't they say you walk 20 miles uh, in one day? Okay. So a three-day walk would be 60 miles of country to, to go through. But on that first day of Jonah's preaching, the city responded. Jonah's message, it's kind of laughable. It's so straightforward. It's so simple. It's this. 40 days and Nineveh will be over overthrown. 40 days, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. Okay, that's quite a sermon. That's quite a sermon. Yeah, I mean, because he doesn't, there's, there's no mention of God. There's, there's no mention of who will overturn them. And there's no mention of what they've done wrong. I, I, I just go, how can there be so much uh, power from that sermon? And it's all God. That's the answer. Yeah, I know. That's the right answer. I know. <laughs> it's God. Yep. Um, these words were greatly blessed because they were truly God's words and not that of Jonah. Also, could the Ninevites have heard or even seen the miracle of Jonah's fish confinement and survival? Was his skin still bearing its marks and color? Think, he might have been like frightening to look at. Yeah. <laughs> Those digestive juices. Ooh. Um, how did Jonah think his message would be received? I bet he thought he's going to get laughed at or he's going to get killed. Um, but look at the reactions in, in this middle of chapter 3. The king hears about it, and he puts on sackcloth. He proclaims a fast for all the people to put on sackcloth. All of them have, have um, a fast. Even the animals were to fast. And he says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways, and their violence. That was their sin. They're repenting of that sin. Let them give up. Who knows, God may re yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And then in verse 10 in chapter 3, it says, when God saw what they did, and circle that word did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. He did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. You know, it's easy to only see surviving fish in a fish for three days as the miracle of this book. But actually, this is the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle, this great mass conversion of this powerful, maybe the most powerful city and, you know, country in the world at the time. Probably the greatest mass conversion in all of history. And God used who? Jonah. Mm -hmm. Jonah, even after he had apparently disqualified himself from future service. We read here that the people believed God. It, it was not belief in Jonah. He was only the messenger. It was believing God who was the source of Jonah's message. I think it's an important thing for us to stop a minute and consider how this great revival took place. My heart longs for a revival in our nation, and I never give up hope that that can be possible. What happened first? First, the people heard God's word and they took it personal. And then hearing God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit can have such a dramatic effect on our lives. Remember that it starts with the church. So we have to have people uh, hearing the word of God and giving out the word of God. Second, we notice here that there was a response of belief in God. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through Christ. So Christ is the 
source of any kind of revival. And third, as a sign of true response to God's word, was that they took action. We, did you notice it says what they did? Mm-hmm. This is true repentance. When you've, you were heading one way and now you're changing and you're heading back towards the other way, towards God's ways. This is a reality of faith when we see actions demonstrating that faith. These people turn from their evil ways or sins. This is still God's word for us today. Turn from your sin. Begin to do the right thing. Faith in the Lord through his son Jesus will give us the power to do this. Another good question to ask ourselves at this point, what sins do we need to repent of today for our personal revival? Is it selfishness? Is it malice? Is it hatred? Violence? Fear? Mm. Lack of trusting God? What if it's all of the above? That would be quite the mix. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of runaway fears right now in people. There is. And fear and faith can't live in the heart at the same time. Well, God does repent or relents. Um, what does that mean? Well, it, it means that there's an inner suffering uh, that sin brings to God. And what did he do about it? He actually came. His son came. He sent his son in order to take that punishment that was our due and then uh, bringing us into a relationship with himself. He suffered. Christ suffered the punishment for our sins. Christ bore them. So God relents because the, um, the change of heart and the repentance here. True repentance brings change. Um, that's a principle. True repentance brings change. God relents from our due punishment of sin when we truly repent. When we confess it, confession is part of repentance. Yes, being sorry for our sin, but there's also this turning in the other direction. So otherwise, it can be a lot of lip service if there's not a change in a life. You're wondering, have you really become a Christian? What's changed in your life? You know, how is it different from before you made that confession of faith? That's very important uh, truth for us all to kind of contemplate. Well, we're already up to chapter four. This does go quick, doesn't it, Bill? It it does, but there's still a lot left to cover. There is. Mm -hmm. This fourth chapter was always kind of a mystery to me, and I didn't quite understand it. I'm still learning as I study it. So now Jonah is not very thrilled with the response of the Ninevites. Um, (laughs) In this final fourth chapter, he's actually angry and accusatory toward God. Jonah did what God wanted him to do, but, circle, circle, God did not do what Jonah wanted him to do. He's kind of like the child, you know, have you ever heard of a child when they, somebody, the mom says, sit down, and he'll say, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's kind of Jonah here. Um, let's look at a couple of verses here as I read them. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry at this great revival. Yes, that's what it says. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. I don't really get Jonah, because 
you know, he says he recognizes God as being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. How does that not apply to himself? Well, he sure enjoyed it when he was in the whale or the great fish and was vomited out. And was so grateful that God was slow to anger and abounding in love. Why is he turning and saying now, why are you mad? Why is he mad that God is now this way towards the Ninevites? Well, this is what can happen to us. We can want mercy for ourselves and resent it when mm-hmm. God is merciful to those we think only deserve whatever, uh, right? We're messed up. Jonah resents God's mercy. You're absolutely right. Jonah had zero mercy toward these people. Jonah had zero concern for them. But God's going to deal with Jonah. Uh, Jonah tries to justify his anger and his rebellious running away, uh, even using scripture here. Did you catch that? He quotes from Exodus 34. Uh, See God, he's saying to him, you were wrong in sending me here because you never intended to to fulfill the message. So he was, I think, very concerned about how he would appear to these people, like his his prediction didn't come true. Mm -hmm. Let's put it in those terms. Well, Jonah... Um, seems to have a death wish. Do you notice that? I think this is the third or fourth time that he has said, it's better for me to die. There's a warning here, is that we can do God's will with the wrong attitude. Sometimes we think of God's will as something very distasteful and forced upon us. If that's the case, we really need a heart change, a heart check. Well, Jonah did not like God's mercy toward the people of this great city. Yet, he'd forgotten he was a recent recipient of that same mercy. The truth here for us in this final chapter really is, and we'll get into the plant and the worm part. That's fascinating. Uh, Remembering how merciful God has been to us is meant to make us more merciful to others. And we can forget that, can't we, Bill? Mm -hmm. I mean, we can forget what mercy we expect God's mercy towards us and towards our failings and so forth. Uh, We don't give other people that same kind of break, do we? Well, Jonah is very much like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. The, The son that stayed home and stayed working for his father was very angry with his father's mercy toward the runaway son. And I think that parable just really describes what's going on here in Jonah's heart as well. Mm. Those are great dots to connect, Bev. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We are going to take one more break, and we'll be right back as we're talking about the book of Jonah today. Four chapters, 48 verses. We're almost through all of them. didn't take long. We're back already. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about Jonah. We're getting down to uh, last chapter, chapter number four, and we're starting to scratch our heads a little bit about the worm and everything else in chapter four. Yeah, the the end of this book always was kind of a mystery to me, and I really didn't get it, and it kind of seemed like it ended abruptly. But it did. <laughs> it did end abruptly. Let's just try to get a little light on this and see if we can get a better understanding of what really God was up to here. 
Well, God, again, in grace and patience with Jonah, asks Jonah some important questions. You'll notice that in the scripture. God often asks people questions. Look at Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Where are you? What have you done? How did you know you were naked? You know, he asks those questions to us um, in order to reveal our true state of the heart. Um, God also is really great at using illustrations. He's used the storm. He's used the fish here. Now he's going to use a vine and a worm to try to work with his rebellious, slow to learn, uh, runaway prophet. Well, the first question is in verse four. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? It's as though God is saying, you are looking at the situation in a totally different way than I am. I am pleased with the outcome. You are not who is right. Who has the proper perspective? You know, it's not uncommon for people to be angry and want to quit serving God when their own expectations are not met. Could any listener be giving up on pursuing what they know to be God's will for their lives, maybe quitting the ministry, quitting the job, the education, even their families or a relationship? Next, we read that the sulking Jonah builds for himself a little shelter. It must have been very hot in the middle of a, a very dry, humid, hot climate. And God provided a beautiful green leafy vine to grow up for his comfort. Jonah was so happy about this vine. Do you know that's the first time he's described as happy when his own comfort was met? Think about that. Think about that. Can I identify? Yeah. Um, however, the next day, God also provided a worm that chewed up the plant so that it withered. Listen to verse 8. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die how many times has he said this now? This is up, we're up to, up to number three, aren't yes, we? Yes, we yeah. certainly are. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live because he's lost his little vine. Now, the second question comes in from the Lord. It's kind of like the first. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah replies, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. That's number four. God could control the wind, the storm, the great fish, the vine, the worm, but Jonah would not let God control his life in surrender. Jonah really, when you get down to what is the lesson here, Jonah was angry about God's mercy on Nineveh. And now that anger grows. It actually has tentacles. You know, if you've got this uh, core anger inside of you from something, uh, what happens, it starts to sneak out on little things, little different ways. Here he's inconvenienced and hot. We may be angry about a big thing, but then that anger comes out in little things. Jonah cared. Here's the lesson here. Jonah cared more about the vine and his own comfort than he did about thousands of people on the brink of divine judgment. You know, I, I have a contrasting picture in my mind here of Jesus looking over Jerusalem. And what was he doing? Weeping. Mm -hmm. Weeping. Such a contrast to Jonah. Then God's final question. Jonah, you have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow, sprang up overnight and died overnight. In other words, just such a temporary thing. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people 
who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals. Now, someone who doesn't know their right hand from their left, he may be speaking about just children, 120,000 children, and then the animals. This is saying, is God not right? Is he not great in mercy? God points to the innocent children, the innocent animals present in the city. Should God not care about them? See how he's really trying to speak to Jonah's heart and to transform his attitude? God has concern for them, concerned for them, and in mercy he spared the city that repented. This, I think, is the lesson of the whole book of Jonah, this truth. God's mercy is great. Mm-hmm. God's mercy is great. And that greatness of God's mercy is seen best. You know where it's seen best? The cross. That's the depth, the greatness of God's mercy. The cross where Jesus Christ, his one and only son, died on the cross on our behalf, not because we deserved it, not because we were seeking him, but because of love and because of his mercy. And in that mercy, he reached out to benefit all of us runaway people (laughs) who are running from God, all of us who are rebellious, openly rebellious. I really feel Jonah is openly rebellious and us slow learners where we just have to have the lesson again and again and again to try to teach us these truths about who God is and who we are before him. So God's mercy really propelled by his love is so great toward us. How can we not be merciful to others? How can we not? You know the most merciful thing we can do? Mm. To be like God? Share the gospel. Share the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for us, rose from the dead, and can give us eternal life and a restored relationship with God by confessing him as our Lord and Savior, receiving him today. When you share that with others, that is the most merciful thing you can do. And by showing them others the mercy of God um, is a powerful, life-changing action to all. So I would just, final final little application here is uh, share the mercy. Mm. You can hear that daily on Faith Radio. little plug yes. there for Faith Radio. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Share the mercy. You always hear the gospel because the gospel is what we need to hear every day, every one of us. We always forget about God's mercy. We can get so wrapped up in our own guilt, our own life, our own little vine of pleasure that we forget and we don't treasure the mercy of God or share it with others. When I think of Jonah uh, going in and giving his 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned sermon, <laughs> wondering if he's just trying to give the absolute bare minimum of information. I mean, was he, was he even trying to sabotage his own message? Yeah, was his heart in it? Exactly. Only I God think he can was checking, answer that. I think he was but... checking the box. Yeah. There you go, Lord. Message yeah. delivered. And yet God in his mercy... Look what he just poured out of heaven. This is where we have an inflated view of ourselves. Oh, right. Right? Here, this disobedient prophet, rebel, a runaway, a person who is a slow learner, and that's who God chooses to have the biggest revival of all time through. It just magnifies God, and it really shows us more about our need for him. Mm -hmm. And when I think of all the unlikely characters in this story, you know, the... the, um, the pagan sailors that saw God and repented. And 
they were not ones that you would think would come to faith. And I want to encourage listeners, if you've been praying for someone who is outside of God's family, and maybe it's a loved one you've been praying for years, just know that that person is reachable and God can do mighty powerful works in that person's life. Continue to continue to pray. Yeah, and share the mercy. Yeah. Oh, Bev, this is fun. I love, I love the book of Jonah. Thanks for bringing this up and, and talking about it and doing such a great job with it. Well, I wanted to understand it better myself. So this is what I usually do. I have to study it, uh, and then I, I, I gain so much. So yeah. it's a blessing for me. Thanks so for having we, me, So we Bill. got to study it out loud today. We did. We which did. is fun. And it is that's fun. what I love about God's so Word rich. is you can read this story 50 times, and on the 51st time, you see something you never saw. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here, Bev. It's great to Thank be with you. you. And uh, thanks again for talking about Jonah. That wraps up our uh, our hour with Beverly Canaris. And now, uh, coming up hour two, we're going to start with um, Allie Beth Stuckey. She's written a book called You're Not Enough, and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. That's how we're going to start hour two. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.